came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Good morning, New York. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. One great show for you today. We have Suffolk County DA Ray Tierney. Is Suffolk County safer? Anything new on the Gilgo Beach uh, matter? Then we have Congressman Peter King, Governor David Patterson, Senator Aldamato, Lou Dobbs on the economy, and Congressman Chris Smith from New Jersey, and he's mad as heck on those windmills. And let's start off the show with Michael Stoller on Real Estate Report. Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning I have a leading managing director of a real estate finance and lending company, Ari Herrett, who is with Walker and Dunlap. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Michael. So the question of the day all the time is, especially the way interest rates are, is there money for real estate? Yes, there's money for good deals and uh, good asset classes. So what, what do we consider a good deal? So there's more money for deals with cash flow than there is without cash flow. And for good sponsors, there's more demand for certain asset classes versus other asset classes. So multifamily, industrial, hospitality in some cases, grocery-anchored retail. And then you know there's less capital available for office and you know, other Let's talk about, you've done a lot of office uh, logistics and uh, warehouse. Let's talk about that market. Yeah, so that market is, is really tight. There's not a lot of supply of it. It's interesting because historically you would have thought about a warehouse in terms of the risk spectrum of real estate, let's say 15 years ago, as outdated manufacturing because of jobs moved away. But what happened with Amazon and other last-mile logistics firms and any retailer that really needs to distribute product, this, the demand is tremendous for last-mile. So in gateway cities or near major population centers, there's a strong demand from retailers and logistics firms to uh, occupy these warehouses. And there's a strong demand for, like, state-of-the-art you know, warehouses near um, very good uh, transportation access and and infill population centers. And what's your thought about the multi-level warehouses? So we've done a few of those. And the ones that I've done that have been successful have been the ones where there's really warehouse on the first floor and parking on the second floor. There's been a resistance to leasing on the second floor. So I did a, an Amazon deal, um, a couple of Amazon deals, one at um, in on Rockaway Turnpike in near JFK, where the ground floor is... 36-foot ceilings where the product comes in and product comes out. And then the second, third floor and the roof are really parking. And what it enables Amazon or other logistics firms to do in these situations is to stage all their trucks, similar to what you see at the airport when Ubers are waiting for you, that these little trucks that you see, the Amazon trucks, you'll have a large truck come in, deliver the product, goes through the warehouse and in and out. Everything goes in and out. And these trucks are constantly circling and, and, and going up and down. So Amazon and other logistics firms find that very essential. 
And even if you had a logistics firms that didn't that didn't need parking, there's a strong demand for parking, you know, from other from other users like Revel or like Department of Transportation, Department of Sanitation. So, I mean, we're seeing rents for parking like anywhere from 20 to 25 bucks a foot just on the parking. But well, logistics firms will take the whole thing and sort of blend the rent out with the paying something you know, higher on the ground floor and paying 20, 25 bucks for parking. With regard to the rents, uh, I recently was at a seminar, which you were also at, uh, and they said that the in- industrial rents are going down. They're not going up right now. Look, I think many tenants are holding off right now, given the uncertainty that we have um, in the economy. So while you'll Look, you'll work on a deal, and we did four spec industrial deals in the last year, and the brokers will send you a very, very extensive list of tenants in the market, and there are tenants in the market that need space, but the delta in terms of what they're, where they're willing to pull the trigger right now on rent, not knowing where inflation's going, where interest rates are going, and what the demand will look like if we go into a recession, there's a little bit of a gap, and based on the land prices that the developers bought the properties at, there is a certain rent that they need to hit their returns. Okay. Another area that you've been rather involved with is the hospitality, uh, especially with uh, the unique uh, clubs involved with them. Yeah. So there's definitely a strong demand for hospitality in good markets. I mean, people are traveling and we've done a lot of deals where these are like cool type of hotels that have a, a membership component to it. Uh, for example, we closed a $140 million loan on the Soho Beach House earlier this year. We did that as a, a permanent loan. We've financed Casa Cipriani here in New York. We've financed the Amman here in New York. We're doing a hotel in Miami Beach that's going to be a Rosewood collection. So what's interesting about that is historically, and especially when you built these, people were very skeptical. Lenders, rating agencies were very skeptical about the membership component. But what we saw with Soho Beach House, and I financed it, four years ago, and, and I financed it now, the difference is that during COVID, when everything shut down and hotels see an immediately decli- immediate decline to zero in revenue um, with a shutdown because there are no leases, the membership component stuck. And so, a company like Soho House that has had little attrition and tremendous growth in membership and a huge waiting list, they were able to pay their debt service during COVID through the membership revenue alone. Even though their members couldn't go to the club? Correct. So what they did with their members was they told them, if you pay membership, we'll give you a certain credit to F&B when we open. And that was it was a great move because you give someone a small credit to F&B and they're just going to spend more. And now, they, they had so very little attrition, very little attrition during COVID. Last question, retail. How do you see retail? Look, I think grocery anchored retail is very strong. I mean, there was a thought that, you know, everyone gets everything online and... With us today is Raymond Tierney, the the, uh, District Attorney of Suffolk County and becoming one of our safe uh, counties. Uh, District Attorney uh, Tierney, uh, good morning, Sunday morning. Uh, Give us an update. What's going on in law enforcement? Uh, Good morning, John. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, uh, we're uh, continuing on with with our uh, prosecutions in Suffolk County. Uh, We're working on a number of things. 
We uh, are planning in January of going up to Albany uh, to talk about some of the laws. Uh, we, we've seen a clean slate that was recently passed. Uh, we don't think that that's going to further the cause of uh, public safety. And we're also concerned about fentanyl uh, as well as our drug, drunk, and drunk driving laws. I know that uh, I have seen it. I, I get the Texas from uh, uh, Suffolk County on, on that patch uh, uh, newspaper, and uh, so many uh, accidents are in Suffolk County, uh, head-on crashes, et cetera, et cetera. Is, is it caused by alcohol, fentanyl? Is there any particular item that's, that re- reaches the top of the uh, list? Well, I think one of the big things is, um, you know, drunk driving accidents, I think, are up over 20 percent, and uh, drugged driving accidents are up over 40 percent. And one of the things that uh, we have is our drugged driving laws. Uh, Prosecutors have to allege the specific drug that the person is on. And uh, so, in other words, if a person is... um, uh, uh, drugged by heroin, and and we allege that he's drugged by cocaine. Uh, he, he, we can't prosecute him. He gets uh, he gets released. Uh, this is a huge loophole in the in the law, uh, and one that has to be changed. Well, it sounds. How do you find out uh, uh, later on uh, uh, what the drug he was really on? Well, exactly, and the law requires us to st- say at the time of arrest what uh, drug we alleged he used. But not only do we have to allege the specific drug at the time of the arrest prior to the, to the uh, blood test, if there is one coming back, the, the specific drug has to be on, on a list. Uh, a, a public health list. So we can charge someone while, uh, for being impaired while using cocaine. Uh, we can't uh, use, uh, charge someone uh, for being drugged uh, because he used Trank or um, uh, Xylazine. Uh, I understand there's going to be a, a change in uh, Suffolk County uh, uh, execs in charge of the, uh, the county. What changes does that make in Law enforcement, does that mean a new police commissioner for Suffolk County? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, so for a number of reasons. I think, number one, Rodney Harrison has, um, I think he's spending time with his family, so he's already announced that he's, he won't be returning in January. So necessarily uh, the new county executive is going to appoint a police commissioner. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the uh, new county executive, Ed Romaine, uh, he's indicated that he's going to be consulting with me on uh, a, a variety of law, law enforcement and public safety issues. So we're very um, excited about that and we're looking forward to january uh i guess no word yet who the, who that's going to be and uh, i'm glad you're going to have an input on that um uh, anything else you want to bring uh, people up to date uh, uh anything new with uh, gilgo beach so you know gilgo is proceeding i think where the 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 the, uh, the grand jury uh, investigations are centered around uh the gilgo four uh, we've uh, we've charged out three out of those four murders. The fourth murder, the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, is continuing, and we anticipate right around the holidays uh, that concluding. So right around the holidays, uh, uh, Christmas and the New Year, we should have new information on Gilgo. Got it. Uh, anything else you want to tell the uh, people of Suffolk County, or the people of New York, or the people, all American people? 
Um, you know, I just, um, I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to make the uh, electorate and the citizens aware of what's going on with regard to fentanyl, with regard to some of these laws that are not helping to keep us safe. Uh, we appreciate uh, their interest, and we hope that they contact their legislators and um, and let their legislators know that they would like to see some sort some reform, especially with bail reform, uh, some change in those laws, as well as our fentanyl laws, where I can't hold people in on bail for selling fentanyl. District, District Attorney uh, Raymond uh, Tierney, thank you for everything you do. Keep our citizens safe, and we'll catch up again real soon. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. What is today is Congressman Peter uh, King, uh, Nassau County, uh, New York City uh, uh, person all his life. His, his dad was a cop. And, uh, uh, well, Congressman King, what bothers you these days? What's going on? Well, John, there's a number of and uh, to me, just you know, a few days ago when they uh, lit the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center, that these Hamas supporters were going to attack it. Fortunately, the uh, NYPD kept them several blocks away. They're fighting with the cops. They're wrestling with the cops. And to be disrupting and disturbing a Christmas event, to me, you don't interfere with other people's you know, serious, either with the holy days or holidays or celebrations, just like on Thanksgiving when they try to disrupt the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And these aren't people uh, protesting for legitimate cause. They're there on behalf of Hamas, which is killing innocent people, which butchered young girls and young boys, held hostages, killed innocent people. And to me, the world is turning upside down that, you know, that we have protesters supporting murderers disrupting a Christmas tree lighting. This is just it's sick. It's uh, insane. And I, I, I think too much of the mainstream media somehow treats this as a legitimate cause, that these people out there defending Hamas, uh, yeah, people defending Hamas on one hand and Israel on the other, as if there's any equivalence between uh, uh, Hamas and Israel. To me, it's, uh, if there's any equivalence, it's between Hitler and the Nazis. I mean, that's, to me, the only, uh, you know, the only equivalence I see. And also, if you notice out in Nassau County, County Executive Bruce Blakeman has called for the resignation of the president of Hofstra University because she is talking about something equivalent between Hamas and the, uh, uh, the Israelis who have been killed and butchered. So, John, I think we have to, as you say, get back to common sense and also go back to a sense of you know, morality and what's right and what's wrong. Understood. And now, uh, if Santos is rejected or, or pushed out, uh, who does uh, the Republicans run? I mean, it looks like... Uh, on the Democratic end, uh, it, it's going to be uh, uh, either Zimmerman or uh, or uh, the old one. Uh, yeah, Swazi. Tom Swazi, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, right now, I'd say it's pretty definite. I mean, I've spoken to Thomas Wazi. He's convinced he's going to be the candidate for the Democratic side, but I'll leave that to the Democrats. On the Republican side, I'm actually, Joe Cairo has asked me to be on his uh, screening committee. He's the chairman of the Nassau County Republican Party to select a candidate or to recommend a candidate to run for that seat. And uh, Joe tells me he has 15 to 20 already are lining up. I mean, I... I know one, uh, Mike, Mike Sapricone, he was a uh, heroic detective in, uh, in the NYPD. Another one, Mazi Philippe, she's the uh, county legislator from Great Neck. She's an Ethiopian refugee who joined the Israeli army. It was a paratrooper in, in, in the uh, Israeli military. Now she's living in uh, Great Neck. She has seven kids. Her husband's a Ukrainian-born cardiologist, and she has won back-to-back elections the county legislature from Great Neck, which no Republican ever, ever won before in the history of the county legislature. So she's a candidate. There's others I'm hearing that are coming forward. So we're going to be starting screening meetings in the next next few days. And when Joe Cairo puts his mind to something, he goes all out, as he proved in the last election. So I, I expect this to be, uh, you know, the numbers say it favors the uh, Democrats, but I would say that uh, the uh, uh the voting, as they've been voting the last few years, it definitely, definitely favors Republicans. So it's going to be a tight race. More Democrats than Republicans, but more people voting Republican than Democrats. So it's going to be a tough race. There's going to be millions of dollars in this, John. The Republican National Committee and the Democratic National Committee, they're going to be pumping in money because this seat could determine who who controls the majority in the House of Representatives. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be an a, a all-out battle being fought right here on Long Island. Now, if Santos refuses to leave, we don't know what happens uh, in the future. I mean, he insisted. He insisted that why am I being kicked out? Why aren't some of the Democrats being kicked out? Well, I would say, uh, first of all, I'm usually inclined not to be voting to uh, overrule the wishes of the people. The people elected Santos who think he should be allowed to stay unless there's something really serious. But in this case, John, there's such, we're not talking about one or two lies. We're talking about a whole resume totally full of lies. We're talking about uh, charges which the Ethics Committee has found valid, that he was actually using contributors' credit cards to raise to keep money for himself personally. Uh, so much, he was spending so much of this money on personal use as opposed to campaign, filing false reports with the Federal Elections Commission. <laughs> so, uh, you know, no, no one's a saint, whether it's in politics or business or whatever, but nobody that I know of has ever had the record that George Santos has had. His is, uh, to me, he violates every rule that could ever be known. And when you think of the important bills we're going to have to be voting on in the next few months, I just don't think he has the moral or the ethical uh, qualifications to uh, he'll be allowed to say in the House to vote on them. It's a tough decision because you are overriding the, uh, you know, the wishes of the voters but since he lied to the voters completely, uh, that sort of puts a different spin on him. So I, I would vote to reject him. And if, he, if not, if somehow, if, if he's not uh, ejected from the House, then he can stay there until he I guess he'll go on trial. And if he's found guilty, then he could be thrown out. But, again, uh, I've never seen anyone like him or heard of anyone like him in my life. Understood. Anything else you want to tell the American people this Sunday morning? <laughs> Well, I just say, as we're approaching the Christmas and Hanukkah season, we're coming into that month now, uh, try, we have to try to be upbeat, as bad as things look. 
We are the United States of America. We can come back, but we got to exactly come back just because we wanted to come back. You have to have a lot of people out there working, caring, getting involved, getting engaged, not just sitting back and complaining. Understood. Well, Congressman King, I'll see you tomorrow, Monday, and uh, God bless you and I'll God bless America. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. With us today is Governor David Patterson, and so many things are happening in our city, our state, our country, and uh, David Patterson, the governor, always makes news. Governor, tell us uh, what uh, made you blink this weekend or this week, or, or what made you think? Well, since the last time we talked last Sunday, John, there were two incidents that both occurred on Wednesday that I found really quite profound. One of them was a, a random shooting of people in Israel. They're not 100% sure that this was part of the war with Hamas or whether this was just, uh, as we have so often, these indiscriminate people who just start shooting people. And But I noted in the press conferences how the speakers were like, well, that's just another example of the threat to Israel and the fear that we live in constantly every day. But it was almost matter of fact. Well, later on in the day, right here in New York City, there was a tree lighting. It was uh, November 29th, and that was going to be the tree lighting. And, of course, there was a protest there on behalf of Palestinians. What happened was when the Palestinians went to the protest, near the tree, and the area was already taken up by people who wanted to see the Christmas lights come on, and it's part of Rockefeller Center, and it's part of the whole experience of living in New York in the winter. This scuffle breaks out. The police get involved, and if you look at the pictures, uh, even I could see that it was pretty violent at certain points. So wanting to learn a little more about it, I turned on, you know, all the major news stations at 10 and 11 o'clock, And I saw, surprisingly, not that much coverage of it. And what I thought is maybe we're getting to the same place where they are in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv or other parts of Golan Heights, where these occurrences are uh, so back-to-back that we have no real understanding of how we're actually beginning to, on some levels, to accept it. And this is completely unacceptable uh, behavior. Well, the, the, the one thing that impressed me about the uh, tree lighting was, uh, and I was supposed to go, uh, Governor, to a, a friend of mine's office in Rockefeller Center and watch the tree lighting. But I couldn't get near the place, and I didn't want to, you know, take a chance about with my family getting there. And um, I ended up watching it on television on uh, NBC4, uh, and uh, they did a very good job. They had a great uh, show. And you know what the one thing that impressed me, Governor? Every what? other word was the word Christmas. It was, and I kept hearing it versus previous years. It was a taboo word to do. Is the woke culture dying? I think where these types of celebrations occur, yes. This is not a political rally. This is not an endorsement of a product like the Christmas season or something like that. These are people who very honestly, and not all of them are Christians, who really enjoy the Christmas holidays, the whole idea of Christmas Eve, Santa Claus. You know, a lot of it is hypocritical, but it is 
something that people enjoy and people love. And I do think that some people who have explicitly political agendas have realized that this is not the right time to be perpetrating them. You can wait. There'll be plenty of time in the new year, 2024, to do that. Well, don't forget, there was so much kickback, especially by uh, Target. People, consumers got uh, upset at Target. They got upset at Budweiser. They got upset at Disney. So maybe it's reforming a little bit. There was another story in one of the papers that investments in green energies or ESG fell. In other words, the people invested $17 million in the United States, $17 trillion, and it's now only worth $9 trillion. That's a good way to lose money, isn't it? Well, um, unfortunately, you really can't mix ideology and investment. And I think anybody that ever invested for any period of time has learned that at some point. And for people to invest in something, you have to, in a sense, you're rolling the dice a little bit because you are believing that this product will be worth a lot more down the road than it is right now. And apparently there have been, you know, let's take the issue of EVs, the electric cars, clearly from the results and, and particularly these motorcycles that have been riding around the city from the results, they are potentially very dangerous ways to travel. And not just for the person who's on the bike or in the car, but for the people around it. Now, with the electric cars, they found out during the hurricane season, both this past year and last year, that when the hurricanes hit and the salt water mixed into the car engines, it started fires, sometimes in the homes of people who lived right next to where they parked a car. So for an investment to be a good choice and beneficial, you need a lot of data. And, you know, having been in the industry myself, you've really got to have a lot of information that is generally accepted before your customer wants to put down even the slightest uh, amount of money. And uh, uh, there's an, there was another thing going on where 3,900 car dealers wrote letters to the White House. They said, we are backed up eight months, nine months, a year on electric cars, and we can't, we're mad as hell and we can't take it anymore. Well, that's the problem, John, that the whole idea of trying, and I think we should be trying to keep the environment such that we don't have, you know, bad uh, encounters, such as recently we went over two degrees Celsius higher than the planet has ever uh, measured in terms of the temperature all around the planet. We also have to understand that like any other product, it has to be popular and it has to be selling. And if it's not, you're going to have a, a, a storage area full of cars that can't be sold, and that's not going to benefit anybody. That's not going to benefit the economy. It isn't circulating the dollar in the specific community, which is always a good measure of whether or not the city or the county or wherever the dealer is, whether their, uh, their economics are working there, and that is really when we start to mix different types of projects that don't relate to each other. Anything else you want to tell uh, on a Sunday morning uh, after the tree lighting? Well, I think it's, uh, I will say that your original question to me is whether some people who are uh, very activists in their point of view have, you know, lost interest in interrupting the Christmas season. I would actually have to close by 
feeling that they showed a little respect for other citizens who they may not agree with a lot, but they're recognizing when people have their own events and either have religious or moral feelings that are very important to them as New Yorkers and especially as Americans, that we should respect that. So I actually have a kind word to say about those who feel that way today. Governor David Patterson, thank you for your input, and uh, thank you for always caring about the people of New York, and we'll catch up again real soon. Thank you, John. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. What is today is one of our best uh, U.S. senators out of New York. We have Alphonse D'Amato. And uh, what what's going on, Alphonse? I mean, th- this is a, a senator Sunday morning. Uh, Friday, there were some revelations. Uh, 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 Congressman Santos was was exiled or whatever. Uh, tell us how you're feeling. Well, let me say this. He's only the sixth congressman to be uh, uh, thrown out. And um, I, I want to first compliment Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, who first started this movement about a month ago uh, to get him thrown out. And it's taken a little time, and it was only when the Ethics Committee reported back, and then they started it again. He is a disgrace uh, to uh, government, to politics, for everything that's right. He stole money from contributors. He used their credit cards uh, for his own enrichment. Um, He is absolutely, and by the way, that's just the tip of the iceberg. They've indicted him, I think, on 19 different counts, and he's guilty of all of them. He is a, a, a liar of the worst degree, made up false uh, colleges that he went to, you know, claimed to go to two colleges. He never even attended them, let alone graduated. I, I mean, this is a total fraud, and, and he's sick. He really is a sick person um, and, and wanted to, to, to stay on. To stay on to do what? Nobody listens to him. He, he is uh, totally worthless. And so I want to applaud because this is a precedent. This is only the sixth time it's taken place. But, but he, he absolutely deserved to be thrown out and not to serve because he wasn't serving the interests of the people. He was only about one thing, himself and his own enrichment. This is a very sick person. And by Senator- the way, yeah, if, when if is he, it? If he pleads, if he gets a good lawyer, they'll, they'll plead him not guilty by reason of, of insanity because he is totally insane. He's made up everything about his life, everything. Claims to be Jewish. He wasn't Jewish. Claims to, to, to do all of these things, go to well, all of these places. Let's he look forward. Let's not look back. He's gone. That's it. It's over with. Thank, what when is the God. when is the next election? The election will take place in the middle of February. So the middle of February, and it, it looks like uh, I got a call from uh, uh, the old congressman he, that he wants to run. Uh, yes. Who else On, is running? Uh, as, well, there are a number of Republicans who are now seeking the, the uh, endorsement. I don't know, and I'm not going to handicap who it will be. But it will be a hotly 
contested race, former Congressman uh, Tom Swazi will probably be the Democratic nominee. He is seeking it. And I, I think the Democrats will uh, most likely uh, uh, get around him. But I, I am not in a position to forecast who the Republican will be. But I will forecast this. It will be the, one of the most hotly contested congressional races we've ever seen. Absolutely. Understood. Okay, yeah. so uh, he's out. Uh, uh, Santos is out. Uh, election in February. Uh, and yep. uh, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see until then. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, what well, else is on I'll your mind? I'll tell you what else. I'll tell you. We should not pass another piece of legislation until we pass a legislation that secures the border, and just doesn't give fourteen billion dollars to Biden to spend on whatever he wants. More uh, people down there who'll do nothing. Who'll just process these people faster. And let me tell you what a disgrace it is. I had a, a woman uh, who works for me, a wonderful woman, come from South America, became a citizen, and she has a daughter who, who, who is in South America who wants to come here. So they applied the way people should. Guess what? Uh, she was turned down because she didn't have enough money, and her son, who were her sponsors, both citizens, sponsoring a daughter who's 40 years old, single, wanted to come here because uh, they didn't have enough money. So I she agreed was, she, she was uh, to go down. on. Yeah. They turned them down. So here they are, people who have citizens here who are willing to sponsor them. They turned them down because they, they, oh, they say the sponsors don't have enough money, and we are letting millions of people cross the border, criminals, people uh, uh, who, who are engaged in all kinds of activity, people who have no sponsors, people who have to go right on welfare, right? We, we let them come in. We let them come in, and we say, oh, you'll have to show up at a hearing. Eighty percent of them or 90 percent of them don't show up, don't come up, and we've got millions of people jamming our cities, the New York City spending hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, uh, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, every major city being crammed. And, and what happens? Our people are paying for this. We don't know who's coming in. Who's, uh, the border fentanyl is pouring over. And this sleepy Joe, he wants $14 billion. Well, let me tell you something. Well, Senator, there will be legislation introduced that 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 calls for um, um, there being a real border and, and real rules. And, and um, Congressman D'Esposito is going to introduce this, okay? Yes. And he's going to pledge to stop wherever he can any legislation until we secure the border. Senator Alfonso Amato, we are out of time, but I want to thank you for coming on and thank you for for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country, and let's catch up again real soon. You got it, John. Great being with you. Keep up the great job, and do what? Protect America. Protect America. Thank you. (laughs) 
with us today is the country, one of the country's leading economists and spokesmen. We have Lou Dobbs. Uh, Lou Dobbs, there's so many things happening in our, our city, our state, our country. Uh, where do you want to begin today? Well, let's start with uh, always the, the good news and the fount of wisdom himself and Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He's electric. Uh, he, he's exciting, I'm sure, to the audience. Anyone who's paying uh, interest on a credit card or driving a car. Uh, paying the, you know, paying him off every month. It, it is, it, it is remarkable to hear this man come out and say, "Well, he's not ready for anybody to talk about cutting rates." Meanwhile, the markets are cutting rates, uh, and they've been doing so for five straight weeks. Uh, this is the, the arrogance, I think, of government right now. Is something we ought to talk about because uh, suddenly we have an omniscient class. We once had a governing class. We once had a, a, a free society. Uh, we have none of it. We have arrogant, uh, authoritarian uh, individuals who who seem to think they can live their li- live our lives better than we can. And uh, well, we have an election coming up in 2024, and it's December already. I mean, uh, it's an election year. Uh, Joe Biden, if he's running. He can't get elected if you have 8% 30-year mortgage. He can't get elected if you have uh, uh, $5 gasoline. Uh, and it seems like the, uh, things are in motion. Uh, oil has hit uh, new lows, to, down to $75 a, a barrel. Uh, right. And uh, it looks like the markets are bringing interest rates down. Uh, and what is the truth, though? The truth is rates are coming down. You and I were talking, I believe it was six, perhaps seven weeks ago, and I said that we won't see any more interest rate hikes, uh, and we haven't. And, and the reason is that Jerome Powell, for just one fleeting moment, decided to, uh, for whatever reason, follow the markets instead of try to lead them. Uh, today, the Wall Street Journal wanting to talk about Jerome Powell shaping the markets if he can't lead them. Uh, he can't shape the markets either. Uh, at this point, we have to understand that the markets are speaking louder than any any assemblage of voices, whether it's in Congress, whether it's a, around the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve. Right now, the markets are speaking loudly, and we are watching a period of adjustment, and I think it's a positive period of adjustment, to a lower interest rate range. And that is healthy. It is also, I think, absolutely essential if we were to restore prosperity to this Biden-laden, burdensome economy uh, that has just been crushed under excessive federal spending uh, and uh, horribly high rates. No, I agree with you 100 uh, percent. It has uh, shaken up the real estate industry, and uh, and the banks are scared for their own existence, especially the small ones. Absolutely. These small banks right now, I mean, we, you and I both know that th- there are several of these small banks, a number of these small banks, uh, that are teetering here. Uh, and, and we have to come to our senses and st- restore some semblance of discipline in the, in the regulatory regimen for commercial banking. Uh, we can talk about uh, the free <laughs> regulation-free environments for almost any enterprise, but banking is not one of them, as we learned last year, uh, just about this time. Yes. Uh, you're going to be on on WABC Radio uh, every Sunday afternoon, this Sunday afternoon. What do you think you're going to be talking about this Sunday afternoon? 
Well, I know what we're going to be talking about, John, and, I'm, and I am proud to be on the uh, Ludov Sunday show, bringing you the latest uh, thinking in terms of uh, where we're going in terms of fiscal policy, monetary policy, the political economy, uh, and, and have some fun with uh, just exactly what's going on in this uh, in this world of ours. We will be taking up the Federal Reserve, and I know that that it doesn't excite a lot of people, but I get a thrill out of it, so I hope there be a few people will share that with me. Uh, and I love politics, so uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about what's going on in Washington. Well, I'll be tuning in about, what is it, 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon on WABCradio.com. God bless you, John. God bless America. Thank you. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. New Jersey, each day your beauty shines from farmland to the shore. With us today is Congressman Chris Smith. A Republican out of Manchester, and uh, uh, Congressman Smith, uh, give us an update of where we are since the last time we have spoken. Well, you know, we, we've seen, unfortunately, um, our governor, Murphy, coupled with uh, Biden, are pushing ahead with the environmentally challenged offshore wind, and they're doing it in such a way that is just trampling local uh, officials and especially local constituents' rights. Um, uh, these things are dangerous, especially as it relates to sonar and, and radar for ships as well as for aircraft. And, you know, I, I got the general accountability doing a study on that right now that, that I think will show uh, that this is an underappreciated uh, danger uh, to ocean wind, that it, 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 you look on your screen and you see things that aren't there. Oh, um, it, so, it, it also it's it's killing our whales. It's I mean, killing uh, the whales, and you know I thought we had that straight. Just in denial, John. You know they say you know nothing to see here. Well, there's a lot to see there, uh, and not just the whales, but also the dolphin and so many other and, creatures. And under, and, under. and and uh, uh, the uh, governor has also announced that he's considering uh, banning uh, uh, regular cars after 2035. Oh, I and, know. He's and, uh, said, I've talked that. to the governor, and I told him that's wrong to do that. It sure is, John. Hey, John, another bill that I've introduced, and I do believe we will have an argument on the floor about it, and hopefully we can win. But all of the cobalt that is going into the Teslas and all the other, you know, the, it's the key to the, the uh, EV engine, um, comes from DR Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo. It is mined by children, 35,000 or more and about 200,000 adults, it's forced labor, and many of these kids die. And then all of the what is gotten out of the ground through these mines goes to China, where it's processed, and it comes back here in these cars or to be put into the cars. That is a supply chain that is unconscionable. It is, it is destroying these people's lives. I've had hearings on that, too. I had one a week ago. Uh, I chaired the China Commission, uh, and we heard you know, riveting testimony uh, about how dangerous this is to children and to adults. Um, and, you know, the, the government officials in DR Congo are getting payoffs, uh, and, and the Chinese government is now getting a monopoly on the entire thing. I mean, I'm no big fan of EVs, but if somebody wants an electric vehicle, okay, go buy it. But don't be driving a vehicle that has cobalt in it and lots of it that has been mined by child laborers in Africa. Uh, so... My bill would say 
there will be a presumption that it is child labor because the evidence is overwhelming and is and would be inadmissible that is to say the cobalt the batteries to the united states uh on, unless they can prove that the mining was completely free of child and and and, and uh, forced labor now congressman uh, I, you know, uh, our real estate department is building another building in, in Manhattan, and uh, they want to put in, and, uh, you know, I said I want to have a second discussion on it. Uh, they're, they're, they're all electric heating, all electric cooking, uh, and, and if you have an electric car and have electric heating and have a electric uh, uh, heating, if it's a cold day in the winter, and electricity goes out. You won't be able to eat. You won't be able to stay warm. And you won't have a car. I mean, what is going on in our country? Well, uh, I, I think they're not following science and the fact that they keep claiming falsely that they are. I mean, even with the offshore wind, and we're talking about, you know, uh, about 3,400 of these uh, poles that are of the size of the Chrysler building, the disruption will be catastrophic, especially uh, to to uh, mammal life uh, and, and fish life creatures, but also to our radars, which you, we we rely on. You know, airports. If you get, are getting false signals, uh, good luck landing a 757 coming in from you know wherever or leaving, uh, and then our, all of our military capabilities that are compromised. So you know, and I have the evidence to prove that it is a serious problem that has not been uh, overcome. Uh, and then, like if you we're said, putting in, if we're putting in all our uh, uh, efforts into just electric-based heating yes, right. uh, and, and cooking and and, he, and everything, I mean, I think it's a big mistake. And John, where do they think, you know, when when all of these power stations are producing the energy that goes into the car or into the stove? Uh, so much of it is still fossil fuels. They are not going to matriculate to some other something else. Uh, maybe ever, and the idea that we're going to rely on EVs, uh, which you know most people once they have them, I won't say most, but many, and I've talked to them, you know, all of a sudden you're constantly refilling the amount of money you're going to have to do to get that that electrical charge uh, for a very limited amount of miles, as opposed to pulling in to your local Exxon gas station uh, to do a fill up. <laughs> you know, it's I mean the the inconvenience is going to be overwhelming, uh, and where do you put the battery when you're done? You know, into a landfill. Yeah. Uh, all those well, issues have not been worked out. But above all, I think is is this this slave labor, forced labor, child labor sourcing of the cobalt itself. Again, seventy percent of all the cobalt is coming from DR Congo, uh, and that's where China is then taking it because they they're running the mines. You know, the you. Chinese Communist Party has a monopoly on it. And, and uh, this, I asked John Kerry, the the uh, czar for for clean energy. On green energy, and uh, you know, he says, "Well, they're working on a, a a memorandum of understanding between ourselves and and DR Congo." You know, good luck with that. That's like you know, yes, it well, will in no way divest the Chinese time. from this this cash cow I, that they have. I want to thank you for coming on this Sunday morning, and uh, keep your eyes open, uh, uh, Congressman uh, Chris Smith from Manchester, New Jersey. Keep your eyes open, and let's. I, I can't believe what's happening to America. Thank you Me so neither. much. And it's always a privilege to be on your show. Thank you so very, very Thank much.
If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to WABCRadio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment. Thank you for being with us for the Cats Roundtable Local Edition, the number one show on Sunday mornings in New York. Keep listening to us for the Cats Roundtable National Edition between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. So we'll be back to you in a few minutes after the news.